Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Steve, welcome to Mother Folklore, the Irish for podcast brought to you by the Head of Podcast Network. Dark Shazamdom. My guest today is Pader O'Chivonig, who is half of the brains behind the pop-up Gaeltacht phenomenon, which is one of the most wonderful things that's happened for the Irish language in the past 12 months. Yeah, less even, would you believe? And, yeah, even less than 12 months. Half a brain has given me a lot of credit, to be honest with you, Derek. <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> well, you know, we, 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 we err on the side of caution here. <laughs> so for those of you who are unaware, pop-up Gaeltacht is basically a phenomenon where some of us don't always have the privilege of being able to go to Cairo or Spittle, but the fact is that spontaneous events can happen where people can basically just meet up and, in a non-learning environment, just use their Irish and have some, as we say, Oskelga scoops. Scoops, yeah. It's really the the key component we found is scoops. Now, there have been some pop-up Gaeltachts has been brilliant. It's grown. It has some offspring. There have been pop-up Gaeltachts all around the world that do not involve scoops. But at its core, it was initially myself and my co-vador, my, my, my uh, comrade in arms, Oscar O'Kira, looking really for an excuse to go for scoops on a Thursday night uh, once a month. And uh, it's just, look, to be honest with you, the phenomenon itself, it, it's it's blown me away that the, the, the way people have taken to it. It's great. It's... It's probably because it is so simplistic. As I did, as I was explicit earlier on in saying it, at you know, on a good day, I do have half a functioning brain, and hmm. it is uh, it is breathtakingly simple. We just wanted to go for a pint and speak Irish to each other because one of the things we noticed as as people who speak Irish all the time, and I'm from Dublin. Oscar's mm. from Dublin. We're not from the Gaeltacht. Uh, lots and lots of fond connections to the Gaeltacht. I actually never went when I was in school. I didn't go to an Irish college really? or anything. Like that. Yeah, no, just... I went to Gael school, kind of just didn't do it. I went to a lot of sports camps, two-week sports camps when I was a kid instead of Irish college. I think I think my dad was still living vicariously through me and wanted me to be an international rugby star. That's my idea of hell. A sports camp? Good. It was God. great crack. Oh, it was mm. gas. We played all different kinds of sports. I learned how to play field hockey, uh, um... High jumping, that was that was class. That was class. There was loads of different rounders mm. and and soccer, and I was great. It was great fun, tremendous fun, getting to meet people from all over the world as well, because mm. it was full of TEFL students who were oh. uh, coming over from Italy and Spain and Portugal. So so it was fantastic. These hormonal teenagers thrown into a room with these Spanish and Italian students, hundreds mm. of miles from home. It was it was incredible uh, in my developmental status. But I never went to the Gaelic anyway, is the thing. But 
and this is one of the funny things, and I suppose uh, when I say the word Gaeltacht, it means one thing to me and it means another thing to other people. You know, yes. it's uh, it's funny. We were publicising one pop-up Gaeltacht recently and we uh, we sent an invite to broadsheet.ie to, okay. to do it and they, the headline was pop-up Irish college. So oh. who wants to go to a pop-up Irish college? And it's very clear that when, so when Oscar and I talked about this idea of a pop-up Gaeltacht, um, and I suppose I can go into the history of it and say, uh, you know, why we really started it. But when we say Gaeltacht, it means one thing to us and it means a sanctuary. It means a place where we can uh, speak Irish, you know, to, mm-hmm. to use the parlance of the day. It's a safe space. And uh, in some ways it's it's kind of a, a, a back forming formation because the English language speaking part of Ireland in the 18th century referred to as the Gaeltacht. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we still do. You know, mm-hmm. one would still use the two terms Gaeltacht and, and Gaeltacht. Um, and, and you know, that, that that's quite simply just uh, Tacht coming from the the same root word as Talche or, or lands. Mm-hmm. And then Gael and Gal, the words for the, the native Irish and the foreign invaders, be they Norse, Danes, Anglo-Normans, planters or whoever they were throughout the mm-hmm. years. Now Gaeltacht is used exclusively in linguistic terms and Gaeltacht the same. It's yes. not about you know, where you're from. It's purely linguistically. And that's that's much nicer because I really, really don't care where anyone's from. Yeah. But we, you know, we have a language and we use it and it's great. And we've had people from all over the world come to Papa Quelthuk's in Dublin. We've had people all over the world organise their own Papa Quelthuk. There was well, there was one in the Market Bar a couple of months ago. I think that was the one we had in February. It was. It was the one mm-hmm. in February. Okay. The one in the Market Bar. We packed out the Market Bar, which is a huge bar in Dublin. And I ran into uh, one girl. I was walking in and she was standing outside with a little green dictionary in her hand so I just had a little chat you know hey you okay you know mm-hmm. she was from Albania oh Albania and was over here for a year so was therefore doing conversational Irish classes because you know that's what you do apparently if you're from Albania and you come to Dublin you learn the actual native language that yes. 90% of the population don't speak on a regular basis mm-hmm. uh, and and it was fantastic it was great so she she practiced a few key terms and everything and learned a little bit of the grammatical structures and all that and you know, she had a great time I had a great time there was there were, there were French people there there was a journalist down from Radio Falta in Belfast who was mad to interview these French people it was huh? Just absolutely fantastic. But yeah, it, it blew me away how people have taken to it. And and the key thing is, like, I thought it just, it means different things to different people. And for me and for Oscar, it just meant a place that we could go, have our scoops and speak Irish. Because normally we go out for a pint and if it's just he and I or he and I and friends that do speak Irish, we speak Irish to each other. It's our first language of conversation amongst each other. And if somebody comes along who doesn't speak Irish, everyone at the table start speaking English because yes. everyone in the country speaks English mm-hmm. with very few exceptions and so therefore it's rude to exclude people so mm-hmm. we, we all change. We, it's called code switching and we do it all the time. Uh, in fact, Dr. Theresa Lynn has a fantastic TED talk about code switching in the context of the, the Irish language uh, and there's loads. There's actually another great um, TED talk about Gaelskullish as a Creole. It's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but code switching is something we do all the time. You go down to the Gaeltacht and you'll hear something like Vimeir my bicycle Tashegan Mac in issue because call them rosers. Um, you know, so code switching is something we do subconsciously, but we used to do this consciously when somebody who spoke English would arrive, we'd, we'd speak uh, Irish. So, mm. in, in essence, um, Gwelta for us meant a place where we wouldn't have to do that. But when we went to try and publicize it for the first time, we realized that that's not what it means to everybody. Yes. And to a lot of people, a lot more people than I thought, 
Gwaeltacht means dancing, singing, having the crack, shifting. It yes. means shifting to a lot of people. I was surprised, having never gone to an Irish college. A huge amount, and in terms of my own personal experience of... Of, of shifting. Of, of Gaeltacht and shifting. <laughs> like a lot of people like myself would have got their first kiss in the Gaeltacht in summer camp when they were teenagers. And what we didn't realise was that when we were all being sent, farmed off to, I suppose, Carro in my case, or different parts of the west of Ireland, um, we farmed off, we were suddenly experimenting in the slightly less strict environments of, of being away from parents, being in a teenage environment. Meanwhile, people's parents back home were like, I suppose, they had a free gaff with no kids and nothing. Presumably, Riding for <laughs> they were, they yeah. were also, so it's like, yeah, it was. It was so <laughs> so Gaeltacht means something else entirely to Gaeltacht, your parents. I think Gaeltacht means something. <laughs> Is is a is a deeply sexualized concept in Dublin. <laughs> it is. We found that out. Yeah, it it really is. It's not what we meant, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it has basically it 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 is what it was intended to be a debaucherous piss up uh, mm-hmm. in the in the in the best sense of the term. But it just uh, it's something that has really really surprised us how people have taken to it because it means something to so many people. The to the people who come from the Gaeltacht who migrate. To, to Dublin for work or whatever, it means home. Uh, mm-hmm. To those who speak Irish and have a passion for the language outside of educational circles, uh, it means sanctuary, a place where I can speak this language and all that. Mm-hmm. And to those involved in learning the language, it means a place where I can practice, where I can learn, mm-hmm. where I can be taught. And then to those with those fond memories, it means, you know, I might get me where. I might get me where, yeah. When I, <laughs> when I was down here yeah, Irish College, it, it was one of the first things that occurred to me was that the people did, had different expressions for kissing and shifting and those sorts of things in in different parts of the country. And it was almost similar that it did give me this clue that some people said shifting was very much a rural term. It's, it's entered Dublin, but it's been appropriated. Yeah. Like in the early 90s, it was still snogging or getting off. Or, really? You know, but getting off is, was, is too yeah. is too misleading because for was, some people it means a far more severe it, act. It really does, yeah. This is where you bring back the baseball terminology. Like it, it means getting off to, to to an American would mean at least third base. At least third, if not third and a half. No, or it's just getting a walk. Like it's just <laughs> it's just drawing a walk. Like getting first yeah. base is, is getting off. Yeah, it, was, it was meeting. When I was and when when people met, because when you heard a meeting, then the, a natural question happened. This is more to do with Iberno English than Irish specifically. But are you talking M E E T or M E A T? It was definitely M E E T I N G because I went to a Gael school, so it wasn't. Will you meet my friend? It was a Mulitula Makara. Ah. So will you meet my friend? Yeah, some adorable. It is adorable. It's kind of cute looking back. Like, yeah, <laughs> at the time as a hormonal teenager, it was horrifying. It was a you know. Yes. <laughs> in some ways, though, it's, a boot shakingly uh, terrifying experience. It is. In, this was. It is interesting that this was. You think of things like the Quiet Man and those kind of. Uh, I those, try not to think of the Quiet Man when I'm shifting. Uh, me too. Well, I suppose <laughs> very much. Well, Maybe more, Maureen O'Hara. She was a babe, but she, I'm not. Yeah, she <laughs> very much so. But I think more that I think you think of the old, uh, how in some ways that teenagers, when left to their own devices, do come up with form, formal structures for actually um, for I guess diluting this the the, the, the guess, vernacular. Yeah, yeah, but, but also yeah. for but, but also it's for I guess diluting the actual process of meeting people. There's uh-huh. there's formal things. There's and. Well, so that's that's something. But another thing that people associate with the Gaeltacht who maybe don't haven't grown up in that area, maybe haven't gone to Gael school, is a certain subgenre of music. 
Yeah, specifically. the the, the Gaeltacht banger. Yes, Gaeltacht yeah. banger. There's there's a few songs and they're bangers and they're eternal. They don't exist within the normal genres of sixties music, seventies music, trad music. They're they their own subgenre. Yeah, now you see, this is it, right? I may be a co-founder of Papa Gaeltacht, but I am not an expert on the Gaeltacht banger. My entire experience of the Gaeltacht college oeuvre is when I was in first year in Kalashnikilian in Clondalkin and they took us away for a weekend so we'd all get to know each other yes. to uh, Kalashnikilian in Rakharn oh. where the heating didn't work. So Rakharn is the, you know, the, it was the first Papa Gwaltuk as many people are <laughs> mm-hmm. keen to tell me. It was the Gwaltuk that De Valera set up um, where he he offered people from various Gwaltukhti around the country the chance to migrate to County Meath to where there was more arable land mm-hmm. and he gave them land uh, and, and, you know, You'd get a sweet deal if you'd agreed at the time because you could trade an acre in Connemara for, uh, you know, where the only thing that can grow is rocks mm-hmm. for a nice flat acre of meadowland in County Meath. And Meath, you know, for all its flaws, it's many, many, many flaws as a county, has got some fantastic pastures. Meath is a magnificent county. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, it, you wouldn't want to be on the other side of, uh, of I suppose, the, the GA pitch against Meath footballers and it wouldn't end very well for you. But <laughs> they got, it's, it's got, it's gosh, you know, History and stuff. It has history. It has, give it it has that. decent towns. It it doesn't, but we'll <laughs> we'll leave that to one side. Okay. <laughs> so if I was going to say the words Fado, Fado, and Aaron Rivtiacht and Nu Ish to you. Yes, yes. So this is Neve Kinor. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. This this is actually, yeah. So this one actually is a racy song for kids to be singing. That's kind of slut shaming too. Oh, is it? I think it's quite empowering. She saw what she wanted. You know, mm-hmm. Valchier Le. What's the first one she 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 tempted him with? Valchiela something, Valchiela Pogue. Yeah. Valchiega on Ainagoga Tiernan Oak. Nis Massa. Ooh, Nis Massa. That's yeah, it. Yeah, that's well, the, okay. Yeah. That's quite possibly the sludge end bit. But that's see, Nis Massa means even worse than I that, don't think see, but that's thrown in in between the lines. You know, Moss Boon McQuivna. If my bit. memory is right, that's like you know, in the fields of Athenry, mm-hmm. when people start throwing in, you know, hey, baby, let the free birds fly oh. and political slogans and things like that. Yes. It's not part of the original song, which was about this this feisty blonde woman who decided, I like that Ushin McFinn there. Mm-hmm. I like him. He's mine. Gonna get that. And in fairness to, I mean, like, she did offer a, a very good package and that, you know, come to this place where everything is really good. And... She said between the lines, but like, like Ushin's father was an awful, awful dose of a fella. Didn't he turn his wife into a, a deer? Uh, no, no, she turned into a deer. She turned, so I've turned into a deer. Uh, I don't think Fionn himself did it. Um, I should know. I was only reading this this recently, but Fionn Fionn gets a Fionn gets a hard going. It's a hard deal, but you know, particularly because of the Toriak Yermadogus Grania thing, you know, where he he as an old man he married young, lovely Grania, mm-hmm. and she decided that she was going to escape, so she put a gesh on Dermado Divna to run away with her, mm-hmm. and then Fionn. Uh, pretended to forgive them, killed Dermot, or at least arranged for his death, and then married Grania anyway. So he gets a hard going. Uh, I think my like, favourite bit in Torch Dermot's Grania is that they're running away and they've they've made they got a serious head start. And Grania's like, you know, let's let's relax for a bit, you know. Oh, and then he's like, no, we got to keep running. And then a, a splash of water lands in her thigh, and she says, "That river is more man than you, Dermot." In Irish, though, it is probably a bit prettier. 
Yeah, yeah. His small fear on Alan Shin not to feign a Yermid of Wadivna. I love that Irish mythology is so full of strong female characters. Like, yes. it's just, it's absolutely brilliant. Like, um, they're not remotely confused at what they want. No, not at all. I mean, just look at the Morrigan. Mm-hmm. She is kick ass. Uh, Queen Maeve. Queen Maeve is the original badass. Yes, Queen Maeve is yeah like, is very much a very formidable character that and especially when you compare it to I suppose the the Guinevere's and the, yeah. um, the, the those some of those Arthurian figures. Yeah, so I mean, look that that's it. Like there's, there's so many correlations between Arthur and Fionn McCool. Uh, you know, like the hero who's laid to rest. Um, in Arthur's case, Avalon. In Fionn's case, in a cave somewhere in County Leash. Um, you know, and it's like he will rise again when Ireland is in great need. Arthur will come again when Britain needs him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hasn't come back with this whole Brexit thing going on yet, so I'm starting also, to doubt the myth. That Arthur film as well didn't uh, didn't exactly have much cop in it. <laughs> no. I think Guy Ritchie's interpretation. Oh, really? of Arthurian I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't I, seen it. Yet. I'm kind of gone off. No like one the has whole, the Arthur thing since first night. Since Richard Gere and John Connery ruined the whole oeuvre for me. Although that's it, I highly recommend Bernard Cornwell's retelling of the Arthurian legends. He does a trilogy about Arthur and it's great because it's set at exactly the right historical time. Mm. So they're not knights in shining armour and all that. They're they're Celts, they're Britons coping with a post-Roman Britain and a Saxon invasion. And it's really, really well done. And Cornwell has a history of writing um, not a historical female characters, but strong, positive female characters within the historical context. So his Guinevere is a lot better than, say, Thomas Mallory's Guinevere from the medieval legends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've digressed a bit, I feel. We have digressed a little bit. <laughs> um, but at the same time, though, this is all connecting yeah. to <clears throat> this is all connecting things because I suppose another thing that I would connect with the Gaeltacht and maybe this is something in terms of as, as being, for want of a like, yeah, a sacred space of sorts, the yeah. idea is a place that's deep, deeply associated with, I guess, when become a teenager making these making these friends, Irish college as opposed to just you know the other girls as well, but as a kind of place where you, people discover their music taste as well as discover kind of guessing and also just. I suppose when I can connect that to the early teens, and then I think yeah. yes, I, I, I do connect that to storytelling. But but getting back to actually the pop Celtic itself, yeah. it has it has spread beyond Dublin. God, yeah, yeah. Um, this is a strange one. So we set it up in Dublin, and and when we set it up initially, it was a response to negative press coverage about the Irish language. Mm-hmm. There was an awful lot. There was a few articles, videos, things like that, just saying the Irish language is dead. It's useless. It's pointless. And as someone who spoke Irish every single day, and my 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 friend Oscar. Uh, speaks Irish every single day. He's actually raising his daughters through Irish. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, he he was raised with Irish. I learned it in school. But we both have a big passion for the language and we use it every single day. Um, we both work in the English language industries. You mm-hmm. know, he's in hospitality. I'm in the NGO sector. Uh, and we have to use English in work. And then we use Irish socially and we use Irish wherever we possibly can. And we wanted to sort of prove that point. So we set this pop-up wealth went for scoops, it was huge. It was unbelievable. Barua, Clarendon Street last November. Uh, I rocked our socks. We thought maybe 30, 40, 40 people would come. Nearly 300 people came. We had to drink out on the streets. We were completely totally full. Immediately, a gang of Irish speakers in New York saw this and said, what a great idea. Mm. Can we do it? And we're like, yeah. It was one of our core concepts was this is going to be open concept. Yes. Uh, open source. 
Um, so as an open source concept, it's completely open to anyone who wants to do it. We give you the file. We give you, there's the cute little sign that we hold up for selfies and stuff like that. We give you that. We give you a list of guidelines, how we've done it. And the nice and go do it, put your own shape on it. So the gang in New York and a big shout out to the gang out there in New York, Fran Mulraney, who's a journalist with Irish Central. Oh um, yes. Yeah, she's brilliant. Uh, herself and a few friends organized it. So they had the second one ever in New York. They got it immediately. So for the first couple of weeks, we were getting emails from all over the country, all over the country in Ireland going, when are you coming to Belfast? Uh, when is Papa Gwell to come to Galway? When are you going to do one for us in Cork? When are you going to come down to Waterford and all that? And we're like, no, we're not. We don't make any money off this. Like yes. we make, we spend money on it. Like, you know what I mean? Because I buy so many pints. It's ridiculous. Uh, we, mm, we, we, see, uh, you got the wrong way around. You got to get the pints bought for you. That's how this <laughs> yeah. game works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's uh, so basically the whole of my point. But yeah, so the idea was that anyway, the, the 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 Irish were very slow to pick up on the fact that we can just go ahead and do this ourselves. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole other sociological reason to that. The Irish abroad jumped on this, and within a couple of months, the USA, Canada, uh, Singapore, Hong Kong, Western Australia, mm-hmm. Dubai, uh, most recently Paris, uh, London. Uh, La Paz, Bolivia, um, wow. which was really, really shocking, but we just got a so message. Do you have saying, any idea how many numbers are there at that one? Uh, at that one, there was a handful. It was being held in an Irish hostel, a, 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 an Irish owned hostel, I should say. The hostel is a Loki hostel down there in La Paz. So all the Irish people who happened to be there for that particular week uh, were taking part in it. So, uh, I mean, it was small. Most of the ones abroad in other countries are small, uh, yes. you know, but that's, that's, that's absolutely fine. And then, you know, the Irish, the, the other. Irish speaking communities around the country started to uh, started to get to grips with it. Um, down in Cork, uh, we got we got uh, contacted by a fantastic young woman down in Cork called Carolyn Egunik, and mm. Carolyn just said, "I love this. I want to do it. How yes. do I do it?" I'm like, here you go. Yeah, great. Okay, so she's she's running them down there, and a, a lovely woman called uh, Brona, a young student uh, called uh, Brona Niunor, uh up in uh, Dundalk. She mm. did them. And then a journalist called Quiveny Cahill in Belfast. She did it. Quiva works with RTE and with Mionella oh, yeah. up in Belfast. I've seen she, her in the Newark. Yeah, she does yeah. the Newark sometimes. Yeah. She, so she she did them up in Belfast. And then I got a uh, then I got a phone call um from uh, a woman from uh, Drumahare County Leitrim. They wanted to do one. In Leitrim. In Drumahare County Leitrim. In Drumahare. Drumahare County Leitrim, very specifically. They came up with a great model for it. They had one that started at five and ran until seven, if you had kids. Oh, and then from seven on till the end of the night, once the kids were gone, there was a sort of more grown-up pop-up Gwaltacht. Fantastic! So it was great. It was fantastic. And then we got a, then we got a message from uh, two wonderful women in South Dublin, who said, "You know, we want to do one. We can't. We've young children, and we can't go to pop-up Gwaltacht in pubs mm-hmm. every night." And we're sort of like, "Hey, listen, you know, here's everything you need to go and organise one." And she's great. So pop-up Gwaltacht Nanog was born, uh, a, a picnic once a month in Marley Park for families with young children. It's fantastic. So, I mean, yeah, no, it's been great. It's fantastic. And all we've ever wanted is for people to just be able to take this concept and go out and just just run with it, put their own stamp on it, do what mm-hmm. they want to do. The one in Paris was amazing because in true Parisian fashion, it was a cheese-laden, wine-sozzled picnic on the banks of the Seine. Well, that sounds fantastic. It does. It sounds absolutely great. Mm-hmm. Like red wine and soft cheese just sounds Kosh. amazing. Kosh, Bog, Agus, Fien, Darug. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, I actually got the chance to listen to them being interviewed over the phone live from Pop-Up Gwaeltacht at uh, Paris. And uh, they even, they roped in a couple of randomers. There was one woman there who was like, Oh, oui, je m'use, je parle gaelic, uh, je veux un peu de fromage, un peu de vin rouge. It's like, wow, I'm not sure what that means, but it sounds amazing. <laughs> Hello, my name is Allison. 
podcaster. Podcaster, yeah. That's the... Okay. That's the one. We got it? <laughs> Hi. Wait there. Hi, my name is... Hi. Hello. I don't know why I'm sounding American. Hi, I'm Alison Spittle. This is my actual accent. I present the Alison Spittle Show. You can hear that every Wednesday on the... Every... Not every Wednesday. Don't don't be too keen. You can hear that every second Wednesday on the uh, Headstuff Podcast Network, which you can hear on headstuff.org. Thank you. So how come it's if it's a craft beer, a craft ale, it's it's uh, it's Rua, but for for Fionn it's Darug. That's a really really good question. Because um, I've 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 been trying to explain to people where the where the line is, and generally I say that there's Irish has words for living colours, yeah. such as as an era gloss being a kind of a being a grey mm. squirrel, but obviously gloss being not just being green, green but a spectrum of colours, yeah. including yeah, grey. Yeah. So, but, and then similarly, Rua generally covers living red. Yeah, so it's it's difficult it's difficult to translate. But um, in Irish, Darug Darug Nafulla has always been blood red. Blood has always been red, and Rua has been a more russet red. Like Rua mm. is always the color of hair. Nobody has growing Darug, you know, unless it's dyed bright yeah, red. That's you, yeah. you're, you're kind of um, yeah, you're, you're copper colored or your fire engine red. That's some young even even do. copper even copper would come under the spectrum of rua. But if you were to go fire engine red for mm. definite, if you're dying it, then okay, it's gruig gruig yaruk. But gruig rua is russet. So when you look at the difference between a red ale mm. and red wine, they're not the same color. Like in a million mm. years, one is on the orangey browny side of it, and another one is on the deep burgundy sort of. Um, bordering on purple almost and that's that's mm. the red of blood and that's why that's why you know green can be Uenya or gloss depending on what it is you know yeah, I would generally translate Uenya as uh, being kind of true green or kind true of true green I, it's, you know it's literally I grew up with a simplistic version of Irish a Gael Scullish more mm. of a Creole than a purity of language and and I, I kind of have the, the simplistic Anglophone approach to, to colours so it's 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 gloss Darug mm. <laughs> you know um, but that said if you'd go deeper into the roots of the language, like orange can be flanvoy or oshta, it can be bui, it can be, you know, so... This is one of the ones I was thinking of for wine, like there's almost flanjarg or other flan, the red, but then you're talking, you're entering the, you're almost entering the vampire zone then, that's jarg, red yeah. wine, nice, you know, nice grenache. Yeah, nice Grenache, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, are we talking about a Beaujolais or a Grenache? We? Ooh, no, that's uh, Beaujolais only in November. <laughs> <laughs> We've digressed again. Uh, of course. <laughs> Look, I mean, staying, staying on topic is so per se. <laughs> but is. yeah, so it I think is. these are the things, I suppose, and these are the things that when people, you're talking to people who are interested in Irish, these are the things they want to know, these kind of, these these differences in the, in the Irish language concept of looking at the world. And yeah, but it is, it's fascinating that, and so my wife is learning Irish and mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, there's so many little nuances that I don't even notice because I've just picked it up over the years. Uh, and like, while I said, I, I haven't, I didn't go to the Gaeltacht when I was a kid. I've been many, many times since, since deciding to study Irish at third level and going on to do further study and the likes and, and, and realising that I had distant cousins down in, uh, in Corcoghina living in Dunqueen. Oh. Yeah, the last parish before Boston, as they say, looking out at the Blasket Islands where so, Peg was married. So Dunor is around there, is it? Dunor is just north of there, yeah. Mm. You go to on Bulteen or Ballyferreter, turn off left for Keown Chibale and Dunanor is in on the right hand side. 
It's uh, no, it's uh, it's it's my favorite place on earth. I love going there. So I picked up more Irish and I picked up more nativist Irish, as it were, more more true Gaeltacht Irish, uh, and just the little nuances that I don't get. So my wife is now she's doing Duolingo and picking up a bit here and there, and she'll ask something like, uh, you know, uh, how do you say like here's David Bowie with um. Uh, life on Mars. I was like, mm. oh, should you know uh, David Bowie led Life on Mars, and how do you say it? This is Life on Mars by David Bowie. Oh yeah, sure, Life on Mars led David Bowie. It's like how can led mean both? It just does. <laughs> it just does. I'm sorry, I've no, and you can't directly translate because you have to look conceptually at what something means. Whereas I also speak quite a bit of German and German and English. Yeah, you can just directly translate because oh, they're right. both Germanic languages, yes. the same roots and and it's real easy to just what is Luftkissen Fahrzeugfahrvergnügen? It's like, oh, that's the pleasure derived from driving a hovercraft. <laughs> it's a real simple concept, <laughs> mm. but like German concepts can be explained to the Anglophone. Irish concepts have to be boiled down. Uh, you know, kind of, you need a sort of uh, an alchemy of language to try and Create uh, something I love about something, Irish, something yeah. I love about German that I think maybe Irish can learn from is they've got a very um, good structures in place for creating neologisms, and it's it's almost something they take great pride in. Like say, the German word for the contraceptive pill is the anti-baby pill, and, <laughs> and even just like or, or is like yeah, the, the oh, you know my favorite like one is you know my absolute favorite one, my favorite neologism in German, maybe my favorite neologism of all time. So the German for explaining. Is Erklären. Yes. And the, the German for man is Herr. Mm. And the German for mansplaining is Herklären. That's right. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Similarly, in French, it's uh, Mac is a dude. Yeah. And Explique is obviously to explain and Mexplique is. Mexplique. That's brilliant. Is, is French for in Irish, we have Farvinu. It's a portmanteau, just like mansplain. So, Minu and. Uchialic, not be better. Uchialic, yeah. Uh, I don't I'm a big fan of Farvinu. Farvinu is, uh, yeah, I suppose Farvinu has its, definitely has its advantages, right? It's not subtle, you see. And I think mansplaining is not subtle. So, I think, uh, you know, you don't want to give it any credit. Well, and if say you compare it to, and, and one of my favourite Irish neologisms is Eistfeist. Eistfeist, uh, an earworm. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. fantastic. It's, it's so good, you almost think it came first. Yeah. Oh, that's an Eistfeist. That brings us right back to Gwaltic bangers. Absolutely. <laughs> so, look, so, I am Chirinog, Chirinog is, yeah. one of the, is one Gwaltic banger, but there is another, which is, and I misunderstood this completely when I was, is Oh Garam Garami, Scarami oh, yeah. Store. Yeah, Peggy. I thought that's Oh, like, um, she's blue. She's, she's blue. blue. She's no, blue. No, 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 she's not. She's, she's blue, dab and dee, dab and da. Dab and dee, dab and da. No, good of me. Good of me. I but, love her. But Garam is, is, is a, it, it's interesting, it sounds a little bit like Garam, but Garam is highly praised and, yeah. and it's a fantastic word. Yeah, and pegging Littermore, I mean, I mean, yeah. in fairness, Littermore is a very small place, so being the most beautiful pers- person in Littermore. Have you ever heard Flight of the Concords, you know, the most beautiful girl in the room, depending on the room? <laughs> You're <laughs> so, so beautiful, you that, could be a part-time model. That, it's that level of praise. It's that level of praise. The most beautiful woman in Littermore. That's right. There's people person person in a place where the um, there's about less than a hundred people. Yeah. Well, the narrator does name check all the other beautiful girls. You know, it's like ta breedigums, ta cartigums, she peg and ban as far. Wow. So that's in fairness. Maybe Littermore was had more people back then. Well, you know, like people from Connemara are shockingly good looking. 
Absolutely. It's Ever since the Spanish Armada washed up there in 1588. Between the Spanish Armada and also, I suppose, the, uh, I guess, the High Kings all being routed there from by Cromwell. Yeah, to Henry um, to the, Connacht. The, the royal blood, um, yeah, the Celtic royal blood. A bit of Grania Whale still mm-hmm. going through the veins there. She was uh, she's married into the Joyce's of, so much really not quite Connemara, but more Joyce country round about the mom. Um, yes. But yeah, definitely. The Galway Gaeltacht is full of rides. Someone should really write a song about a, a, a young woman from the Galway area. <laughs> no, they shouldn't, right? So it depends on which version of that you're talking about. If you mean the Steve Earle song, Galway Girl, that's a mild annoyance. If you mean the Ed Sheeran song, The Galway Girl, that's the worst thing the Brits have ever done to us. What about that time they didn't vote for us in the Eurovision? Yeah, that's, that's running in a close second. <laughs> <laughs> Or the other time they didn't vote for senior vision. <laughs> yeah, and then the 800 years of miscellaneous. Uh, but these, I suppose it's, um, I, yeah, I think, I mean, go, go, the first Galway girl, I mean, the, the, the true version, I suppose, the Steve Earle one. Yeah, yeah that the, Mundy and Sharon Shannon made quite famous, yeah. I think, yeah, with that, it's naming a song that's, like, there's, like there's, there's another song out there called There's Two Boys Are Back in Towns. Is there? What's the other one? The other one is in the soundtrack to 48 Hours. Oh, really? You know, it's funny enough with Tin Lizzy songs, there's two dancing in the moonlight. That's right. Yeah, Top Loader. Do, 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 do. I have a funny story about Top Loader, which I can't tell on air, so I'll tell you afterwards. But Teaser. That's right. You have to subscribe to my podcast and subscribe to all the Headstuff podcasts if you want to get the actual blooper reel, which contains these stories. What's the Irish blooper reel? Real num loopery? Real... Because, yeah, real, actually, now that you mention it, is, yeah. is, is actually a real. Yeah. R.I. for the L, but real num loopery. Real num, num the buttoon. Real num muttoon. Ah, it's a bit on the nose, isn't it? It's a bit on I the like nose. When you, one of my favourite sounds in the Irish language, one of my favourite phonemes, is when you put an oru on a word that already starts with two um, consonants. Oh. So you end up with, like, a real num loopery, <laughs> which is just a beautiful way to real say it. Real num loopery, yeah, actually. Loopery. Yeah, well, I think... Yeah, I think so, we, for we, example, like... Um, you know, Fernam Laskate. Oh, yeah. Laskate. The men of the Blaskets. Fernam Laskate. Fernam Laskate. That's definitely one, all right. That's gorgeous, gorgeous sounds. Just like yeah. a fantastic combination of syllables. And, yeah. You know, like, you know the way, like, like English, uh, English linguists reckon the nicest sounding combination of syllables in the English language is cellar door. Cellar door. Cellar door. My favourite in the Irish language yes. is Shearwalia. Shearwalia. Shearwalia, westward home. And That's if you're beautiful. talking to somebody from Connemara who's talking about leaving Galway and going home, they're always going to Muggle Shearawalia. Mm. Shearawalia. I love it. I think it's beautiful. There's, which we were mentioning just as Kirk Green earlier, and I know one of the expressions my um, I picked up when we were on holidays there when we were kids, it wasn't actually Gaelic, though um, I suppose there were Gaelic kids around, but there was an expression that an old man used, and it was a, a, a squeal de knapa. And the knapa being the button your fly, and it was it was the opposite of tightening your belt, I suppose, in in the Charlie Hawhey image that you actually you're untightening your belt. You're loosening up either from relieving yourself or just stuffing your stuffing yourself in fine food or about to maybe have a have a have a romantic encounter. It was just a <laughs> it was a phenomenal expression for yeah, people. Yeah. We're going always back to the romantic encounters. Uh, yeah, it's kinda of like squeal mock and bubbling. Squealamock and Bubbling is, though, I mean, it's so visual. It's so visual. But, like, the Squealamock and Bubbling, which, which, which means release the tassel, let, yes. let the tassel out, which, which is, is definite, definitive, like, it's absolutely 100% slang for, like, you know, um, peel back the foreskin. Like, 
That's what it means. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had a children's show on RTE called Squeal of Mock and Bubbling with Sean Brown Branagh and Cynthia Nivaraku. And it was, I mean, looking back, it's unbelievable that that got past sensorious early 90s Ireland. Especially in the context that, I suppose a few years earlier, the Guardian had confiscated a Squeal Mock and Bubbling banner from Coke Park. <laughs> so I, this wasn't, this shouldn't have been a surprise to anyone. This is, I mean, a very... <clears throat> I guess, a, a, a level of candor, almost Germanic candor. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's the, it is the Irish for um, rock out with your, and we know what rhymes with that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, skill, <laughs> mock and bubbling, I think. And I just, I just Squeal can't. Knappa. I like that though. You know, if you want to tell someone to just, just mm. relax, just, you know, beer the hovin, so. Squid the Knappa. It's a great one. I think it's fantastic. It's, uh, so that's definitely one I try to introduce more into words. I'm going to lean back. Squid the Knappa. <laughs> so, um, for those of you who don't have uh, uh, um, graphics on your podcast, um, so the Pather's actually wearing a three piece suit today. Yeah, you know, just on, on it's just the bottom button of the waistcoat. I'm not, <laughs> not trying to drive Darok wild with frustration. So, what I would, would, would like to say now, and um, before we uh, before we wind up, I would love to ask what, what's next for Pablo Gelto. Are there is there a play? First of all, yes. If, are there places you'd like to hit that haven't been hit yet with Pablo Gelto? Are there yeah. are there groups you'd like to reach out to who might be listening today? Um, yeah, so I mean, look, to anybody who's never been to a pop-up Gwelto, please come. Uh, we're, we're very welcoming. We we always recommend to people who maybe aren't that confident in their own level of Irish, if possible, bring along a pal who has the same level or, or you know, or, or, or similar at least. That way you won't be stuck. It's, um, it's not a strict learning environment. Nobody's going to be correcting your grammar or tapping on the shoulder to make sure you're speaking the right standard of Irish. That just doesn't exist. It's, it's very, very crowd oriented and, and it's all about just having scoops together. So if anybody's listening who hasn't been, please come along. We'd love to see you. Um, yeah, there are over seven I think 717 pubs between the canals of Dublin at last count and we've only managed to do uh, eight or nine of them so far so it's uh, you know there's a lot for us to do in Dublin mm-hmm. as far as bringing it elsewhere I'd love to see it grow but you know as I said myself and Oscar we don't make a penny out of this we just mm-hmm. we just do it as an excuse to go drinking on a Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if people want to do it all around the world, it's an open concept. Hit us up, Facebook, Pop Up Gweltuk, Twitter at Pop Up Gwell, Pop Um And you've inspired some other minority languages to... Um, yeah, oh yeah, that's my favourite. Yeah, how did I forget? I'm so um, remiss. Mm-hmm. So the other Celtic languages have jumped onto this and thought it was fantastic. The first one was in Scotland with the Pop Up Gweltucht for Gaelic the Holoban or uh, uh, Scots Gaelic. Uh, then the Manx uh, got on board. Not not the Mancunians, the, the Manx, <laughs> M-A-N-X, the people from Man, the Isle of Man, got on because they speak a form of Irish. Now, Manx Irish is lovely. Mm-hmm. Imagine the Irish language written with English letters and, and pronunciation standards. Yes. So it, it, when you, I can't read Manx Irish. It makes no sense to me. When somebody speaks it, I go, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's 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 amazing. Like, um, uh, it's 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 fantastic. Um, so they they did one in Douglas. Um, absolutely brilliant. Great to see that Manx Irish. And then we got a we got a, a an email from a chap in Cornwall mm-hmm. who wanted to do a pop up Kerneveg. 
Oh, wow. Uh, which is where they speak uh, Kernow or, uh, or, or Cornish, which is a language that was once practically extinct and now has a small but vibrant uh, language community. A language community that's really challenged by Brexit because it was a language community that was heavily reliant on EU funding. And mm-hmm. there's absolutely no chance of a Tory-led British government investing in, in minority languages. Uh, so they're mm-hmm. really, really, they have to pull pop, up their own pop socks. Up like, Cor- Cornish what they call it? Pop up, pop up Kernavik or a pop, pop up, up Cornish Kernavik, speaking yeah. area. Yeah, I just know I've seen some Paul Dark recently, and I just have an image in my head without being like you know, people, a lot of people looking over the sea as the waves crash. And no, they just had scoops, Derek, yeah, just like scoops. us. Absolutely, well, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's no, it's um, they have some gorgeous names actually in Cornwall, like yeah. uh, some of them, some of the names like Tintagel. Tintagel and then Morwenna is one of the girls' names. Oh, the girls' names. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, yeah. the, the Cornish version of Murren, is it? It is, yeah. Morwenna mm. is the Welsh stroke Cornish version of Murren. And there's some lovely similarities, like the two languages, or the the, the, the four, five languages, really, uh, diverged at a proto-Celtic stage where... Mm. Um, Irish and Scots Gaelic and Manx Irish relied heavily on the C sound or the K yeah. sound, the K K K, and Welsh and uh, Cornish relied on the P sound, the P P P, that sort of glottal. So you end up with some similarities, and you can see it like a so four in Welsh is is pedwar, 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 which in Irish is car, and in medieval Irish would have been pronounced kether. So Kether and Pether, they're sort of they're very similar to each other, and you end up with Marwenna instead of Mwiden, yeah, because it's just different phonemes that were used in the language, and you know it's it's like that. You end up with Yoan uh, instead of uh, mm. Owen or Sean uh, or John, and uh, you know it's 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 as uh, the languages are so similar, they they are mm. so similar, but. I find it easier to to sort of listen to uh, Manx, Irish and Scots Gaelic speakers than I would to listen to uh, a Cornishman or Mm. a Welshman. But that said, it's great to see these minority languages do it. We would love to see a pop-up Welsh-speaking area, but... Welsh is in rude health compared to all the other Celtic yes. languages, so it's uh, it's it's not something we're likely to see in the near future. Um, I remember going to a talk during the the, the twenty sixteen the nineteen sixteen commemoration, uh, and the the Archbishop of Cashel, the Church of Ireland Archbishop of Cashel, told a little anecdote about how he was walking through a city in Wales one time and he heard two lads vandalising a phone box in Welsh. And that's when he realised the language is safe. You know, the language is safe. I always mm. said, if I ever get mugged in Irish, I know the language is in, you know, it's in, in rude health, it's in rare health. So mm-hmm. Welsh is in rude health because like they're, they're, they're mugging people and busting up phone boxes. They're vandalising through Welsh. That's not quite happening yet over I here. I remember in Rustin Roon, there was an episode of Rustin Roon when, when one of the characters was organising, I think it was a hit in Irish. A hit, yeah. What's the Irish for a hit, man? Mm. Uh, <laughs> Far hit them. Far and willy. Far and willy. For an Amuli, God, that's the thought. And yeah, finally, I just want to ask, I mean, maybe you've heard, I mean, I'm not suggesting you're responsible for this yourself, but <laughs> when are we expecting the first pop-up Celtic baby? You know, it's been less than nine months since the first one, so I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this is funny. This is funny. It's um, not something that was conscious uh, when we decided to organise nights out where young, attractive Irish people could meet each other. Uh-huh. Definitely wasn't something we were thinking of, but Dahi de Morga, a, col- a columnist with uh, Tourish.ie, the Irish language magazine, uh, really Tourish good is fantastic. It's 
great as well stories. worth really checking is. out, even yeah. if even even if you're not confident with your own re- Irish reading, it's well worth um, having a peek and having a stab at some really good a good quality journalism. Yeah, no, it is. It's yes. great. And Dahi writes a really good opinion column for them every now and again. He's uh, also a broadcaster with RT Radio on the Gaeltacht. But he wrote this idea that how Papa Gaeltacht is, is quite revolutionary and it is it has the potential to breed a new generation of, of Gaelgors. Uh, not something that had occurred to us, but yeah, after that we were sort of like... You never know, you know, all these, you know, young, attractive, Irish-speaking people who are meeting each other, they might very well create the next generation of, uh, uh, there might be little... Unless they bring Kushkini. Unless they bring Kushkini or, or Puli. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, if if uh, if if the most recent campaign uh, is successful and the price of uh, Puli on Vajan Dargyun comes down. Or on Mo Ridham. <laughs> that definitely doesn't work. <laughs> That definitely doesn't work. I think I think we're sitting here possibly as testaments <laughs> to the fact that yes, I other think forms of <laughs> freaking unt don't work. <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, no, so, yeah, babies, yeah, popping up everywhere. You never know. You never know. We'll keep an eye out. I don't know if anybody... See, the problem is we do have a tendency to romanticise the beginnings of our relationships with people when we're telling people like so, yes. you know. I mean, not me. The way I met my wife was incredibly romantic, obviously. And the way you met your wife was incredibly romantic, obviously. But Absolutely. nobody's going to turn around and say like, how did you meet your, you know, how did you meet your husband? How did you meet your partner? How did you meet your boyfriend? I was trying to get back at someone else. Yeah, yeah. The next <laughs> thing you know, whoops, little I had slip just, up. I had just had my seventh Jägerbomb at the pop-up Gweltacht and, you know, it's like, <laughs> You know, I just like there was nobody left, so I said, "You'll do." It happened for though, for though, for though, for though. She walked in, her hair was like spun gold. That's it, Valchier. She tempted him, Valchier. Gone in a go, Gutierne Oak or Gut Temple Oak. Very much, Father, Father Kavanagh. Thank you very much. Mila Fadja. everyone at home thank you very much for listening today and if you've enjoyed today's programming um, please do subscribe to the show please do rate us and review us wherever you do get your podcast the, um, the more reviews and the more comments and the more recommendations you get the better and we can continue to be providing the service to you all thank you very much to Headstuff for allowing me to produce this show for you Iowa. this has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network First girlfriend I ever had. I had to go down to the village and use a payphone.